guys. Welcome to Discount Ticket to a World Unknown. I'm Michaela. I'm Catherine. And we are here today to talk about the second book in the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. All right. So the first chapter of the Chamber of Secrets is the worst birthday. Yes, the worst birthday. So we go into this second book starting out he is back with the Dursleys. Yep, the lovely Dursleys. <laughs> yes, and it seems things have changed, but nothing has really changed because yep. you start out and he's talking about his life, that his new life as a wizard. And just in my opinion, I just feel like it's not realistic because with the threat of Harry using magic, they they still treat him so badly. Yeah. They do, but I I think that's mostly because Harry got tired of being yelled at, and um, he also stopped. He didn't find it as much fun anymore because none of his friends were sending him anything, and so it was like he was being disconnected from the wizarding world anyways. And it's not like he could have done any magic because he knew he wasn't allowed to, so like if they did something and he was like, oh, I'll give you a pig's tail and then they get scared and try to hit him with something I mean he can't use magic to save himself so like what's the point (laughs) yeah it just in my opinion just like (laughs) if I was raising a child who I learned that you know I was emotionally abusing them you know I was starving them and then I learn that they are a wizard they have the ability to use magic And even if he couldn't use magic, there is a world out there, people out there protecting Harry. I mean, in the first book, they were aware that he was living under the stairs. And what did they do? They changed it. They they moved him to the regular room because they felt like they had eyes on them. And then Harry comes back and he's learned magic. You know, there's that, the fact that they don't know that he can't use magic, but there's also still the threat of other people watching over them and watching their every move to make sure that Harry is being treated right and they still treat him very, very wrong. Yeah, but it's not as bad as the first book. Like they still are treating him badly, but it's more of like emotional abuse now instead of actually like physical abuse. And I mean, I don't blame Harry on the fact that he is starving because if you read the description of Dudley, I doubt anyone had any food after he got to the table. So <laughs> I, yes. don't, I don't think he had much um, control over that, regardless of if he had magic or not. But Absolutely. <laughs> and then it brings up another thing. What about Harry's emotional scars and his trauma? I mean, you don't really see any signs of that trauma he grew up in this atmosphere where he was emotionally abused, starved. He grew up with a family who cared nothing about him. So Harry kind of hides his trauma and you don't really notice it until you, the reader, get mad at him for not asking questions or not, you know, looking more into things, not using, like, having any curiosity other than, like, trying to find the bad guy. Like, he... In those moments, you realize the trauma that he had from the Dursleys because the Dursleys always taught him never to ask questions. They taught him like all like just to not annoy adults. And so he just went by the seat of his pants in a lot of these books, um, figuring out things without asking any questions because he was always conditioned not to. So exactly. 
I, and I also think that the amount of love and care that he has for underdogs in these books as well show his trauma because he is very much an underdog in the Dursley's household. And so anytime that Neville gets picked on, Hagrid gets picked on, um, anyone that is a, weird in their own special way, he stands up for them and takes care of them and like does anything that he needs to to make them feel special even if he thinks that they might be a little strange like he the only person that that he really hates is Malfoy yeah other than that he sticks up for everyone else he's very open to accept people and I I do see that so I think his trauma doesn't necessarily show other than in his strengths I guess I would say yeah and his one weakness of never asking questions (laughs) (laughs) Because he doesn't ask questions and you're sitting on the other side of the book going, why the fuck didn't you ask? So we are in this first chapter and you kind of get a visual of the way that the Dursleys are treating him, how things haven't really changed. And it's his birthday. And again, he is the only one acknowledging his birthday until he's outside and Dudley comes out. And he makes a comment about it, but that is right before, or that is right after he sees Dobby technically for the first time. Technically, yeah, he sees yes. eyes in this bush staring. He doesn't at him. acknowledge it really, but he <laughs> does see Dobby for the first time, and that was never that was never in the movie. No, no, it wasn't. You they didn't don't... see any hint of Dobby until he walked into his bedroom. Yeah, and they don't actually talk about that first chapter because I get it. It's, you know, it's just an introduction. Well, and a lot of it is a recap of everything you read in the first book. Very true. Which which is not necessarily needed, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But there's just something about acknowledging that he is once again spending his birthday alone. Yeah. Or not alone, but alone. I mean, basically alone. He, no one's yes. recognizing that it's his birthday. He isn't getting any cards from his friends for his birthday. No packages. He's basically alone singing happy birthday to himself like he did in the first book. <laughs> so Which is so lonely and so sad. I could yes. never imagine someone spending their birthday alone. That's terrible. I, yeah, I agree. It's awful. Well, and the other thing that I think is very strange about the first chapter is um, the descriptions for the Dursleys just get worse. I uh, <laughs> I didn't think that um, you could they do make not the Dursleys age like fine wine. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, like I didn't think that the Dursleys' descriptions could get worse. And then you, I read reread this section, and Dudley is so fat that his butt is hanging off both ends of the chair. And if that doesn't give you a visual, I don't know what will, because that is that's terrible. I like, just that poor imagine. <laughs> the thing that I don't understand, and this is kind of uh, awful in a way. But Harry gets picked on for being skinny and in oversized clothes and blah, blah, blah. And like looking like just like run over trash, basically, because of his his clothes and how they were treating him and stuff like that. But Dudley doesn't get made fun of at all for being a round turd. I like I don't understand. (laughs) And then the comment that uh, Petunia makes about him not getting fed properly at yeah. the school that he goes to and then the father's just like I never had a problem with the food the food is great he's yeah. fine you're worrying too much meanwhile Dudley's just like 
Dudley's like, like eating all of the breakfast is on the table. No one else gets any breakfast. They get toast. That's it. No yeah. one else gets anything. I just don't understand. Because if anyone was that big, there would be some type of bullying in a normal... At least just a little bit, which bullies <laughs> are made from other bullies. True. A lot of the time, bullies are being bullied. So there yes. could be something deeper to that that we don't see. I don't know if I believe that for him, though. <laughs> for him, he's just probably like, an awful person. Yeah, like, I... For... I can see that argument for Draco Malfoy. I could see that argument working very well for Draco. His dad However, bullies him all the time. Yes. However, Dudley doesn't really have an excuse because any verbal abuse that comes out of his parents' mouths tend to be towards Harry. And he is babied by his mother. So I don't, I, I can't completely agree with that justification for Dudley. <laughs> It does make me think about what would have happened if Harry wasn't wasn't in the picture because it seems that the father Vernon he likes making comments he it's I feel like it's a part of his nature yeah and obviously in the very first book in the very beginning before Harry comes along Petunia is babying him that's natural but if Harry wasn't in the picture I feel like he, Vernon wouldn't have an outlet. So true. Dudley would have been raised differently. That's true. I I would say Uncle Vernon is a bully, and so he's raising a bully. I wouldn't necessarily say that Dudley is the is being bullied, more or less like just reverberating what his dad is doing. Yeah. I, I could see that more as a as a justification. Not justification, but more of an explanation on why he is what he is. And, but <laughs> anyway, yes. the later in this chapter, we'll move on because I could talk about Dudley and the Dursleys all day if I really wanted to. Oh, <laughs> I forget why this almost happens. I think Harry tries to use some type of magic. Oh, to light um the bush on fire. He's like, he's he like joking yeah. with, with Dudley that he's going to light this bush on fire or whatever. And Dudley goes running into the house screaming for his mom. Mom! And, magic. and Petunia comes at him with a soapy frying pan turns the him upside the head with a frying pan like <laughs> where in the world is that okay and you could tell it wasn't intended to actually happen like she, it was a it was an empty threat yes but still like what the fuck? but that would I swear if any person was doing that in public or anyone saw a person doing what she did I would be like, okay, you are not fit to be a mother. No. You can't just, empty threats are Numbers not okay. Numbers would be cold immediately. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you don't come at a child with a frying pan no matter what the hell they're doing. Like, that's <laughs> never justified. That, the, and yes, that was a very entertaining scene because he's just like, he like, like he's just gone so easily he was yes. like and under the frying pan here we go <laughs> he like, like it's a, just a normal day like yeah. it happens every day oh my gosh i read that and i was like a fucking frying pan for real <laughs> okay chapter two dobby's warning we meet dobby in this chapter obviously because he's in the name but we'll officially meet dobby yes we officially meet dobby in this chapter and um he's in my opinion He's kind of a maniac. He um is kind of a lot to uh, handle at all. Like, like I if I was Harry, had no idea what house elves were, walk in and there's this like ugly 
big-eyed creature sitting on my on my bed. I don't know if I would handle that very well. So uh, props to Harry because he like immediately was like, Shh, "Don't say anything. Like, let's talk. What the hell are you?" Kind of thing. And I would have been yeah. like, "I would have been like, who the fuck are you? Why are you in my bed? Get the fuck out." <laughs> Exactly. And let's for a second talk about, you know, Dobby is crazier in the books Oh yeah. than in the movies. In the movies, oh, yeah. it's just a short clip of showing that, oh, he punishes him, himself mm-hmm. for talking ill about his family or, mm-hmm. you know, his, the people who own him. And, but in the books, he's just bang, 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 bang. I'm so stupid, you know, like, or, oh, blah, blah. And it's yeah. just, it's sad because- in the movie series, Dobby was one of my favorite characters. And then when he dies, I cried, I bawled so bad. I was like, not Dobby. So, and he's just a little crazier in See, the I books. And it's just- I a- can't necessarily agree with that feeling. Oh, so you did it. I didn't really like Dobby until last movie. Really? He, he kind of annoyed me. And well, so I was like- I don't understand the hype. And then, of course, I I liked him in the like the last movie that he was in, and then he died. And I was like, of course, I finally like him, and he fucking dies. But I kind of feel the same way in the books. Like Dobby is very fucking annoying in this book. Like I already am like reliving the hatred that I had for Dobby when I read this book the first time. Like he's just, I just don't understand why he goes to the lengths he does and is such like um a pest. I it's just. Like, I understand he's supposed to be a pest. I just think Dobby's a little annoying in this book. Well, yeah, but in my (laughs) opinion, there is one character, and we'll get to that later, that is more annoying than Dobby could ever be. Especially, I I just, I don't know, as a character. In this book? Yes, in this book. Okay, okay. I think I know where you're going. Yes. Yes. But we'll talk about that later. So, (laughs) to move on. The Dobby scene. So Harry is upstairs and, you know, just like the movie, Harry's upstairs. Vernon's boss is downstairs. He's trying to impress him. He has to be very Not his boss. Or is it? It's some guy that he's trying to sign a contract with to, like, make money. So a client. So a client. More of a client. Yeah. Downstairs trying to impress a client. They don't know about Harry. And then, you know, Dobby's doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Beating himself up. Yes. And then we get to the part where Dobby accidentally confesses that he is the one that stopped or took Harry's letters or the letters that were going to Harry from his friends. And I just want to make this comment. Okay. How would preventing the letters from getting to Harry make him not want to go back to school? Because in my opinion, I would want to go back to school just to figure out or not just, but especially to figure out what happened to those friendships. It's it's weird because I kind of understand the explanation for it because he's hoping that Harry will feel like he doesn't have anyone and decide not to go. But at the same time, it doesn't truly make sense because I don't think Dobby truly understood where Harry's like coming from. And if you look at the Dursleys, like no matter if Harry had no one in Hogwarts, he'd be away from the Dursleys. So he wouldn't like, yes, he would care that he didn't have any friends, but he doesn't have to deal with Dudley. He doesn't have to deal with Uncle Vernon. He doesn't have to deal with Aunt Petunia. So fuck yeah, I'm gonna get the fuck out of there. Like, I don't care if I have no friends. At least I'm not dealing with them. 
for a majority of the time and I'm getting fed decently. So exactly. So there, there are more benefits than like going back to Hogwarts. There are more benefits than disadvantages, you know, like, and Dobby, you know, Dobby doesn't know. He doesn't understand that. And that's okay. I, I get that. So I could understand why that would make Dobby do that. However, it's just a little, eh, for a book, I get it, it's a children's book. Children aren't going to actually really be thinking that much into it. Or it was meant to be, like, for children. The the first two books were meant for yes. children. From there, it gets a little more complicated, and it's more like young adults, but... <laughs> Definitely. Because she grew into herself as a writer, so she grew into the adult. Well, and I think that it was easier to sell these books as children's books, and then when she got a following, she was like, all right, now I can write what I actually want to write. <laughs> exactly so So, there's that uh, yeah (laughs) so you know they have this conversation they have these things going on vernon hears the disruption he comes upstairs and then he stops it you know he hides dobby away so that he can pretend that nothing's happening and then dobby disappears he's like you know i'm gonna stop harry from going back to Hogwarts. If it's the last thing i do so we go downstairs and we see that dobby is hovering the pudding like right the the pudding Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I don't know if it was a cake in the movie or if it was the same. Um, I think it was still a type of pudding, but it was like the description of the pudding in the book wasn't as extravagant as the pudding that was in the movie. Yes, so they did a great job on that, I do have to say. Yeah. And in my opinion, this scene from the book in the movie, it's better because in, in the movie, the book, it's better. Yes. In the movie, it is better okay. because the pudding scene, I just like the fact that they make it out as if Harry is using the magic to levitate the pudding and he drops it on the client's wife's head. I like that. It makes more sense as to why they would not want to sign a contract with Vernon because of his disturbed nephew. However, in the book, the scene is the pudding is dropped and then Vernon's like, oh, I'll deal with you later. Go back upstairs. And then the owl is released. Harry's owl is released. And the wife is terrified of birds. But how would they know? How would Vernon know that the wife was terrified of birds and the client was like is this some sort of joke what are you playing at cruel joke yeah but they how would they know so that scene to me in the book doesn't really make sense and I understand why in the movie they did that so I do prefer that scene from Mm -hmm. the movie over the book yeah and the book has its kind of confusion and I don't know I might have read it wrong but I feel like in the book, like the kitchen part of the house is cut off from the rest of the house. So it's like its own room. So for um, Harry to be using magic in front of muggles, if he's behind a closed door, like how are they going to know that he used magic in front of muggles? Like I understand True. the whole like part of it is that, yeah, a burst into the kitchen to find Harry rigid with shot covered in head to foot in Aunt Petunia's pudding. So he's in a different, like he's in a closed off room technically like closed off kitchen yes and the thing falls and it explodes and it scares the crap out of everyone because of the noise they don't actually see the magic and so it's harder to justify the the letter that comes from the ministry of magic saying that he used magic in front of muggles when no one saw him levitating the pudding yes and they could assume like that's what he was doing 
Exactly. And I had a comment about the ministry in general. So I think that in the movies, they really make things more understanding because I just want to know how does the ministry know if he uses magic outside of his residence if they didn't know it wasn't Harry using magic within his residence? I think it's explained later in the series maybe it might be explained more in um order of the phoenix when yeah. we get that whole scene of using or have him using magic again in front of Muggle. no no yeah i think it is order of the phoenix i was trying to think because he used he uses magic in front of muggles again in the third book but i don't think that they technically talk about it until the fifth book when he uses it again yeah. or doesn't use it but it's used around him or no, he does use. Anyways, oh my gosh, I'm confusing myself. Um, <laughs> so from my understanding, and I don't think that they they don't really explain it in the books, and they really or they don't explain it in the movies at all, and they wait a very long time to explain it in the books. Um, yeah. The ministry can't. Or it might be the seventh book. Uh, anyways, um, the ministry can't pinpoint who's using magic. They can only pinpoint where magic is being used. Okay. So technically Ron and all the Weasleys could use magic because they're in a magic household and there are no muggles there. Okay. And the ministry would never know because they're in a magic household and that could be their parents using the magic. Yeah. But since Harry is in a very muggle city surrounded by muggle family and muggle like guess when there's magic used there it's immediately thought that harry is the one that did it because they wouldn't expect that there's a house elf using magic there yeah i i can understand that I so but that again like that doesn't i don't think that really gets explained until maybe the fifth book it might not even be explained until the seventh one when they yeah. talk about underage magic and trace the tracer or tracker or whatever it's called so well, see, that's me because I'm I'm reading into these books and I know how the movie goes. I know how they make they portray it in the movies. So I'm just going into reading this without all the details, the actual in-depth details that they have for the ministry and mm -hmm. the workings of behind the scenes and everything. So I just I went into this reading the chapter and I was like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, technically, I still don't feel like it makes sense because I feel like with the ability to use magic they should be able to pinpoint things yeah but you know little things it's what she used to make her plot work so I mean it definitely works and if she didn't doesn't necessarily cover something... mean it makes sense but yeah yeah <laughs> but I, I think that she did a good job about looking back into the series while writing more books and mm -hmm. making things come together. So she did a really good job. There are some things that are kind of like, eh, does that really make sense? But she, mm -hmm. like, I totally get it. She kind of contradicts herself in later books, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you know, this, this scene happens and then the letter comes. The letter comes yes. and they're talking about how he's not supposed to be using magic. And Vernon is ecstatic. He is so happy. He's smiling, that evil smile. And I just, I just want to, again, it's brought up. So even whenever he could, or they thought he could use magic, mm -hmm. they still treated him like crap. So then Vernon finds out that he can't use magic. So he's going to treat him so badly. So again, it comes up if he was worried 
about the wizard world knowing how he was treating Harry and where he was living in the first book. How how did Vernon think that it was going to be a good idea to just do whatever he wanted and make Harry a prisoner within his own home, locking him in the room and starving him? How would they, how does he not think that the wizard world or the people that are obviously protecting Harry, why didn't he just assume that they would know what he was doing? Um, I don't necessarily want to say that he was thinking. <laughs> He might have just been really angry. He lost yeah. that contract with his client and he was like, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah, I think his head more or less went to, you fucked my contract and now I'm not going to get this million dollar deal or whatever the fuck it was supposed to be. And exactly. so now that I know that you can't use magic against me or you're going to be expelled from Hogwarts, I'm going to lock you up like a prisoner and we're just not going to feed you. And you're just going to have to survive. Sorry about you. Yes, and I just want to point out, Vernon had to probably invest quite a handful of money to put those bars on his window. Oh, yeah. To make him a prisoner in that room. Uh-huh. And then the Weasleys just come in in the next chapter and they just, just, just like, rip it, out of the- rip it out of the wall. Yep, they sure fucking do. They sure do. All that money wasted. I just feel bad for Harry and really for Hedwig, too, because... That poor bird. They're just locked in this small little living area. Neither one of them can go out to see the, like, sun. Exactly. Um, She's being fed whatever Harry is being fed. So, like, she doesn't even get to have good food for herself either. So, like, it's not just just child abuse. Now it's, like, animal abuse as well. (laughs) Animal cruelty. Exactly. (laughs) And they never bring that up either. So they do bring up a little bit. They do touch on it that Hedwig is locked in her cage and she can't get out. Yeah, they show it but in the movie. Whenever Harry is locked in his room like a prisoner and Hedwig is left with nothing to eat but what he eats, they never bring that up. They never actually bring up how awful it was for Harry to be locked in his room. They kind of made it out like, oh, it was just every day. Oh, you can't leave this room because you were bad. But in the book, it was very abusive, yeah, neglectful. And I did like that, that they described that more. Yeah. And I also think it's because the book takes longer time in explaining that whole scene. Yeah. And in the movie, he, get, he gets locked up. And then I want to say like that same night, he the Weasleys show up and pull him out of there. So like the, sh- the timeline is shorter for this scene in the movie than it is in the book. I think he's a prisoner for a while before the Weasleys come to get him. Yeah. Or it might be the same day and I'm just <laughs> forgetting. Well, the It does jump scene. So I'm I'm pretty sure it says three days later. Mm. Yes, it says three days later. So it was there several days. Yeah, which is longer than the time frame that you got in the movie. So yes. So um, and they do jump scene in the movie too, but I felt like it could have done better with more yeah. detail. Just a, yeah. a little insert of oh, Hedwig here. You know, this food is for you. I know you're getting abused and neglected too. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Sad scene. Sad for that owl. Yes. So we jump days later, he's locked in his room. He's trying to entertain himself. And then a ruckus, ooh. And then he looks out the window 
And there's his red-haired friend, Ron. Yep, there's that, Ron and the twins. <laughs> yes, and that ends chapter two. Mm-hmm. And then we jump right into The Burrow, chapter three. Yes, we do. We get right into Ron staring into those bars, looking at Harry, asking why he hasn't written back yet. <laughs> why haven't you written me, Harry? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've been really worried. And you're like, well, so have we, though. <laughs> and then they see the bars on the windows and yeah. they're like, oh, you're being abused. Let's get you out of here. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So, um, this is when you get to meet the car the that car. flies. <laughs> Yes. And in the book, we can, you know, obviously get into that later whenever the Whomping Willow comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that car, I just... In the this Ford scene, Angla. Yes. <laughs> in this scene, they actually don't have the inv- invisibility part of the car yet. If you notice, that little tidbit comes in later where mm-hmm. author's like, I installed an invisibility around the car. We mm-hmm. can fly it and not be seen. Mm-hmm. so that's not on the car whenever they go to rescue harry so they have to fly in a neighborhood of muggles how is that okay how are they not seen but harry and ron later we'll, we'll get into that we'll get into that. <laughs> so, Let's just talk about this scene. So I want to point out during this scene, I'm pretty sure in the movies, Harry had his luggage, all of his belongings in that room. He did not leave that room. Yeah. Scene. However, in the books, Harry's Hogwarts things were locked under the staircase. He had to retrieve them or sorry, Fred and George. Yeah, yeah, they had to retrieve it. And that brings us into the next one. trunk that was under the stairs. The trunk, (laughs) the broomstick, all of his, everything that he needed for Hogwarts was locked away. And so Harry tells them while they're trying to be like, Harry, come on, let's leave. Let's go get you out of here. We've broke you free. And another, another thing I will bring up. I've I've got a lot of comments in this chapter. (laughs) So... Fred and George come in and they're like, cool little nifty thing, muggles. And then they pick the lock. They know how to pick a lock, mm-hmm. but they, and they don't know about general things of the muggle world, but they know how to pick a lock. Well, okay. Previous little twins. I was going to say, what is their personality type? Let's think about this. <laughs> of course I just, they know I love that scene though, because Fred and George are just like, I can pick a lock. We yeah. don't have to use magic. We know how to work around the magic rule. Well, I mean, it's how so many brothers do they have? Exactly. They've got to figure out how to unlock doors when they are in a fight and locking each other out of things. So, yes. So the difference in this book scene to the movie, Harry has all of his belongings. He's ready to get out of that bedroom. Mm-hmm. And they break the bars off the wall and Vernon wakes up. So that is different because they break off the bars in the book and then Vernon stirs, right? Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't completely wake up. The yeah. twins are able to pick the lock, run downstairs, grab Harry's things, and they put it into the car. And then Harry's coming in and then he's like, Hedwig! And then yeah, Hedwig screeches Hedwig. at him. Yeah, and then Vernon wakes up and he's like, that blasted bird! Yes, I I think, honestly, I think that the suspense of the of the scene in the book is a lot higher than the suspense in the movie, because yes. 
they take a lot more time to go get all the stuff and get Harry ready to leave. And so it's like Vernon could wake up at any time and uh, the Weasleys are in the house getting his stuff. And then he wakes up to the bird screeching. But in the movie, it's like they hear him automatically and he has to like rush as fast as he can to get all of his shit in the car before yes, it's through the door. It's like so. they, they make it out like Vernon is entombed to what happens in Harry's room because, mm-hmm. oh, he has the ability to use magic. So if it came down to life and death, he could use it and I need to make sure I can stop him. No, that's, I mean, he just, he... I think it's a combination of all noises that Vernon's like something's going on and then he hears the birds screeching and he's like I can't sleep now so yes yeah well they manage uh, just barely escape Vernon hangs on to his foot yeah but he doesn't fall out of the window like he does in the movie very true he does not um because I'll be honest if you fall out of a two-story window you don't get up afterwards (laughs) You tend Especially to not a man like Vernon. Yeah. I mean, he's not I mean, exactly in the best fitness. <laughs> he's got some padding, but I don't think it's enough to save him from a no, two-story no, 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 drop. No. Absolutely not. He does lean in the bush, no though, bush. too. <laughs> <laughs> like, a no. thorny bush. A thorny, thorny bush. I guarantee yeah. it was, too. Oh, God. He deserved yeah. that, though. And I mean, yeah. It was very satisfying. It was. I don't disagree with it. I just think that it's... I just think that it's very unreasonable, like unrealistic for him to be fine in the next movie and not be suffering any type of issues from that fall. <laughs> like I would like, have brought up the fact that, oh, anyone. my back, oh, my back. You know, like, yeah, Harry, like you do these chores because of my back. You exactly. Know, like anything like that. <laughs> exactly. Like, if you fall out of a two-story window, like, you're not going to be able to just get back up and be fine. Like you're going to have issues later on, even if you didn't break anything, like your body is just going to be sore for a while because you're just out of a fucking window. If nothing major happened, then there is some type of damage somewhere. Yeah. You're bound to feel it. So yes, I agree. So yes, they break Harry out and then they are riding and they make it out. Like they have to ride a great distance in that car they have to fly a pretty long time because they fly into the sunrise Mm -hmm. and while you're in the car you don't they don't really go into detail in the movie but while you were in the car you learn more about the weasleys arthur you learn more about the world of magic Mm -hmm. the ministry and they talk about you know creatures and stuff like that that are in the magic world and i think that is very interesting and they could have added more of that in the movies. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the movies just really went from them breaking him out to them showing up the burrow. And that's really it. Yeah. And then um, they cut out all of the burrow scenes, which we'll get to. Kelly did cut out a lot of burrow scenes. Yes. Um, but anyways, so <laughs> they take out a lot of the scenes from the car when they're talking about stuff and like the ministry and stuff like that. And I, I think that it really cuts off a lot of the understanding. Like they kind of explain some of it later on in the movie, mm-hmm. but it, it's not as genuine. It's not as, it doesn't fit as well as it does in the book. Yeah, very true. And then I, they don't explain the world of magic very well in that car scene, which I could understand why they took out the denoming scene. I loved that. However, you know, we're skipping ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. So they get back to the borough 
And then Harry's taking a look at this house. And, you know, it's not perfect. It's not a mansion. It's definitely not the Malfoy's Manor or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's it's beautiful. It's amazing. And then meanwhile, yes. Ron's like blushing and just like feeling a little well, embarrassed. And but- Ron is so like self-conscious of the fact that his house isn't a normal house, isn't a pretty house, isn't like a... Like, you can tell they're not very, very rich just from how the house is, like, set up. The house is being held up by magic, which they don't really explain in the movies at all. No. It's so, just, and the the house, like, the, the actual foundation of the house is different in this second movie rather than, like, later in the series whenever mm-hmm. they show the house in the movies. Mm-hmm. It, it just looks different. And yeah. they change up the style a little bit and they don't really describe the visual aspect of the house as well as the book describes it. Yeah. And yes, and I, I feel like though, even if the Weasleys had money, that's just their personality. They're very chaotic. That's true. That's true. They are very chaotic. So I feel like there wouldn't be much different. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I think how the Weasley's house is described is what I think a lot of houses would look like on the inside if they had that many children. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Like, no matter how much money you have, I think your house would still be in uh, a great amount of chaos with the amount of children that they have in their yes. household. But I just love how Harry and Ron's um, reactions to Ron's house are like so different. Like Harry is in love he loves it so much it it's like a home that he's never seen before it shows the love that they have in their family and he's just like absolutely enthralled by it all there's so much magic happening in the the house there's things that he's never seen before and he is just like utterly amazed and thinks it's the coolest place in the world and Ron is like so self-conscious he's like I know it's not much it's not as big as your room and Harry's like dude I love it and so I love it it just like shows you lived under the stairs Ron do you really think that it matters well honestly I don't know if Ron actually knows that I don't know if Harry ever actually explains that to him but at the same time like regardless if Harry had lived in that big room all his life he still would love this house because he never got the freedom to enjoy outside of his room like if he left his room he was doing chores so yeah, he's gonna love whatever house he goes to, and he's not gonna care and if he it looks loves like shit. Everything about it, yeah, because it's cool, it's new, and it's his house. Like exactly. So right here, they finally get to the borough. He's checking out the house. They're you know talking about it, and the differences between the movie and the book. Right here, they actually go inside of the house and take a look at things before Molly comes in. And like chastising them for leaving super late in the night and making her worry. But in the book, she comes running outside, charging red face and everything, red hair, red face, so angry. Yeah. And I feel like that definitely puts character to Molly. Oh, definitely. Just to have them stumble into the house late at night and trying to sneak inside. And then Molly be like, I see you. I've caught you in comparison to I'm running outside to confront you because I'm so angry like it just it definitely speaks of of a mom with so many boy children yes like it it definitely and just like in general a mom with twins like 
absolutely. I think that she would, if even mischievous if she twins. Have, okay, yes. they are they their yes. brand is mischievousness. So yes. it's exactly she has to stay on top like on her toes oh yeah if if she wants any type of like normalcy she has to be on top of their feet 24 7 trying to make sure that they're staying in line because those two just they're a handful (laughs) i couldn't imagine what they were when they were toddlers i just that would be scary (laughs) beyond scary i'm dealing with a toddler right now and having two of like more mischievous than my son is I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine that life. So she, well, at least she had the other siblings to help out. That that that's an that's a good thing. Yeah, at least all the older siblings were like straight A, good children, prefix, like all yes. of that stuff. Like they were, they were model A children, and then we've got the twins. <laughs> yes. So Molly comes outside, they're talking, she says hello to Harry, and then you know, the scene that molly has confronting them inside is kind of mirror to what happens in the book when she actually talks to them and confronts them yeah and then they go inside get ready for breakfast and that's when harry sees all of the magical things going on in the house and he's smitten he loves it mm-hmm. and then i just i had this comment because it is it's a very it's a scene that just sticks with me in my head whenever i watched the movies this scene with Ron just stuck with me for some reason because he's eating with a mouthful of food and he's like, they were starving a mom and trying to explain themselves. But in the book, you learn that it was George that said that, not mm-hmm. Ron, which kind of ruined it for me because I just, I remember Ron was always eating in the second book. I'm pretty, or in the second movie, I'm pretty sure he was kind of always eating. In general, he was always eating. Yeah. So a lot of the scenes he was eating. <laughs> yeah. And then you learn that it was actually George who was like, they were starving him, mom. And I'm just like, way to ruin it for me. Yeah. That whole scene, just in general, for both the movie and the book, is very well written. I love that Miss Mrs. Weasley is like tearing down her boys for being so stupid and taking the car out and stuff like that. And Absolutely. then she turns to Harry and she's like, Harry, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> like that's just hilarious to me it's not a like it just shows the personality she is because she's or she knows who to chastise and then she like welcomes Harry with open arms and is like I know you didn't wish for this but I'm glad you're here like yeah exactly so and then obviously they're eating breakfast she's chastising them talking about how oh wait till your father gets home and everything and then she brings up that Whenever the twins are like, oh, we're going to go sleep. We're tired. We stayed up all night rescuing Harry. So we're going to go to sleep. And she's like, absolutely not. That she's is like, no, nope. <laughs> you <Exactly>. thought. <laughs> and she was like, this is your punishment. Go denome the garden. And they don't put that scene in the movies. No, and they I don't. I loved that scene. It is amazing. When they go and denome that garden and show Harry, you know, gnomes in general. Yes. They, they don't actually have the denoming scene in the movies. And it's just, I would have loved to see them grab a gnome, throw them and twist them in the air like lasso and throw them. And they had the competition of throwing them in the book. And it's just, if you were going to introduce a world of magic and full of creatures, they don't really go in depth with the creature part until later in the series, even in the movies. 
So I feel like if you're going to make a movie series based off of a magical world, the least that you can do is insert a good tidbit of creatures in on there. The denoming scene, I think, is brilliant, and I do think that it they could have at least put a, like a little blurb of it in the movie and it would have been fine. But they also probably didn't want to spend the money to animate the gnomes, which is probably why they But it would have been awesome. And they never actually bring the gnomes up ever in the movie series. No, they don't. So you just take out an entire character or an entire, you know. I mean, um, they did that with the ghosts. They did, didn't they? They did it with peas. I mean, they put it in there, but they don't actually bring the ghosts back until maybe once or twice yeah the ghosts are really non-existent unless they're important to the plot exactly which i feel like peeves is kind of important to some of the plots but they can get around it because they didn't put peeves in it originally so yes so the dino means scene and then we are with Ron as he shows Harry his room and we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that mm-hmm. and then end scene and then yep. we go to the next chapter at Flourish and Blots chapter four. All right guys well that concludes our podcast for the day. Uh, we have so much more to talk about in the next podcast. Yes we thought that we were going to hit all the chapters today that we had planned to talk about but we've been talking your ear off for about an 45 minutes now so we're gonna stop here and the next episode will start on chapter four and we will talk about chapter four and five as always email us at uh discount ticket number two world unknown at protonmail.com and let us know what you think of the chapters we've talked about or some of your things that you've noticed while you're reading with us, or just in general, you just want to talk to us about what you think of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Yes, and please visit our social medias where we will be posting details and maybe even some funny moments soon. Oh yeah, so we have all the plans in the world. So I hope you like this episode and tune in next week to hear about chapter four and five of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. 